ladies and gentlemen, welcome to episode number eight, technically, of the Burn It Down podcast. I have a special guest, one of the best people that I've ever met in my entire life today, Miss uh, Brenda Hanson herself. Welcome, Brenda. How Thank are you? you guys. <laughs> so just so everybody knows, Brenda is my future mother-in-law that God's bestowed me with. Um she did not want to do this. So this is totally against her will. <laughs> but she came into the room and she said she was willing to do it. So the act of coming in is very simple. And she was worried because she's like, what are we going to talk about? Nobody wants to listen to what I have to say, which is false. Because, mom, you have insight on a lot of different things. And what my personal question to you that we just asked outside is where you got that love for plants. From. Like, honestly, Hannah's carried that on herself and carried it through me. And now she's passing it on to our girls. But where did you get that, the insight to want to love plants so much? From my grandmother. Right. So what, what was it that your grandmother, was it something that she just like always did or? She just always had plants. She would spend all winter. She'd bring her geraniums in in the fall and she'd start propagating them in little vegetable cans with sand in them right. and she'd cut a snip and she'd stick it in that sand and by the time summer rolled around she'd have 150 geraniums to line the driveway you well, know? that's that's kind of funny because that's i didn't know what uh propagating even meant for a long time I didn't know that you could take a stem or like a piece of a plant and turn it into another bigger plant which is now what I'm doing with my Cuban oregano, which I'm so happy about. I love that plant. Like, look at that thing. It's beautiful. I know it's beautiful. It smells good too. Yeah, it's a beautiful plant. And now you get to take one home. So I hope that I, I am. I'm taking that baby Oz home. That's right. I can't wait to see it next time we come by. So it'll be sweet. Now, let me ask you something. We were, we were kind of shooting the shit about um, retirement and things of that nature outside, but I kind of gave you my version of what retirement kind of looked like. I know that you're kind of crossing that sort of road right now yourself. Prospectively, is there anything that you could look at in your lifetime that you could go back and be like, man, if I would have done something just a little different, making a different opportunity, working a different job or whatever it might have been that you would have taken, what would that have been? I probably, well, having five kids, um, I stayed at home and I kind of worked for cash money in the beginning. And then I probably would have, oh, I don't know. I would have been saving my own money. Um, I guess you can't really stop the government from taking out your social security and federal taxes. And right. as you know, so much of your check goes there, but. Well, I think I would have planned a lot better because I didn't realize that I would work my whole life being in my 60s now and ready to retire to find out that the government wanted to give us you, you know, $800 a month. Right. And the railroad kind of wants to give you $1,200 a month. You got to take one or the other. Yeah, it's crazy. You can't take yeah. them both when you worked. Right. Because I paid both. into Social Security right. for 23 years, but I only was only at the railroad for 10. Now I'm at the Opportunity Center, but 
Right. You know, if you'd only known then what you know now. Exactly. And it's funny because, you know, nobody thinks about it when they're doing it. You know, you're, you're just living your life. You're in this cycle of just living life. For the first time in a long time, actually, I think the first time ever this year, I've actually had to pay into taxes. And it's driving me nuts that I have to pay X amount of money into taxes because I'm used to always getting a little bit of a return. So I've never really felt that like smeared by the government per se. But it's crazy because it's anything you do. It's whether you go out to eat, there's a 2% tax on food and beverage. There's there's a tax on buying things. So you're not only are you spending your money for goods and services, but you're paying taxes to the government while you do it. And then mm-hmm. for me, listening to you in the situation that you're in at the moment, not that it's a bad one, you know what I'm saying? It's, just, it's the typical situation that I think a lot of people get to at a certain point in life. But having to cross that track, knowing that there's going to be a limited amount a month, you know, that you're capped at after you've worked so hard to get all that money for all those years just pains me. Because mm-hmm. at the end of the day, it's, you know, you got to live on that. You know what I mean? Yeah. And even though, like, I even have a retirement where I work now that I pay into. But when you go to take it, the government's going to take 25 percent of it yeah you know and then they're going to tax you again because they're going to if you take it out that's going to be earned income right so you're going to pay taxes on it again and then when you go to spend it you're going to pay 10 7.5 percent on anything you buy at the store um and that's that's if that doesn't raise itself yeah yeah a constant it's, it's a like con- when you buy a car you pay yeah. your sales tax yeah and then every year you go back and you pay <laughs> and again again yeah it's like oh yeah you I, never own actually own it you got to yeah. keep paying for it yeah it's, it's, it's that's the thing it's like a never-ending cycle of keep paying the man keep paying because okay. that's what you want to take yeah and honestly so i was listening a little bit to that i was listening to a podcast this morning which didn't have exactly the relation that we were talking about here today but a lot of it it made me realize how much money gets spent on crazy things in our government that we never see actually come to fruition so like i was telling you outside i feel like if you've paid x amount of dollars the entire time that you've worked towards taxes I think the best way to go about it in a systematically like functional way is to take that money and then you get a percentage of it back. You know what I'm saying? Like even if it's 50%, but 50% of all the taxes you've ever paid in your entire life could be a $250,000 check by now. You know what I'm saying? That's a, that's a on the low end. You know, mm-hmm. that's just a ballpark number, but imagine what you could do with $250,000 now. If you had $250,000 now, that they just gave you. Every time I see a government bailout, I think to myself, if they would just give every American taxpayer, right? Not saying every American worker, right? I'm saying every American taxpayer, right? Even two hundred thousand dollars. Look at how that would jump the economy. Yeah, people would be buying cars. People would be, you know, paying off their houses. I mean, 
whatever they people could afford to buy their groceries and pay their light bill for sure right you right. know that's just a valid point but that's that's exactly what i mean it's like you think about all the money that almost gets thrown away to just all these different things and you know don't get me wrong there's obviously good programs out there that definitely help people that you know people struggle and they need help sure but there's a lot of people taking advantages of a lot of those things but you shouldn't have to rely on a handout 100%. in order to survive if if you're an illegal and god bless them i know they're coming here because they want a better life right but if you're an illegal you're getting free rent you're getting free medical you're getting free schooling free college for your kids all that stuff but if you're an american and you're a taxpaying american you're getting nothing but taxed to death. Right. Yeah, the system is definitely flawed, I think, in a lot of different ways. And I think a lot of people are waking up to the reality of it, but there's a lot of people also supporting it as well. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. It's just, it's kind of just sad to see. But for like, for like me, the way I view retirement, just like I was explaining to you outside, is for me, it's investing in a business that will, you know, pay for my retirement, essentially. Mm -hmm. Like, it creates something that is a value and an asset to somebody that continues on. It cycles over, you know, and you know, that comes in various different ways. But like for me, I, I, I'm a, I'm a car guy. So a car wash is the way that I'd like to go. You know, if I can own 10 of those, I'll, I'll be happy. You know, that's, that's the goal in life. hundred percent at the end of the day. Generating a lot of income without a lot of, yeah time for money so yeah, it's, yeah. I mean, that's that's the problem it's like we've all fallen into this spell of throwing your time in for money so imagine all the time and effort you put into your job and trying to make income so that, that way you can go out and live 48 hours of your life quote unquote or take a vacation once a month or you know or once every three months or you know twice a year to just go live the life, you know, to experience life. We almost fall into this sort of like social prison that we created for ourselves, the system itself. Like, I feel like kids going to school, you're almost taught to, you know, walk a certain way, do a certain thing. And I think it's all programming. I think it's all part of like getting these kids People ready. People are throwing to their money away because kids are going to college and they're getting... 75 100 150,000 in debt. They get out of school and they can't find a job, so they're going back to live with their parents. You know, there there's some like Hannah for instance. There's always going to be a need for nursing. Right. She'll always be able to find a job. But there's so many kids going to college these days that are going and getting these degrees and then there's nowhere for them to use them and they're in and out going back, like I said, to live with their parents. Right. And if they do get a job, it's not enough to support them. Well, and that brings me to a conversation that I had yesterday with Uncle Dave about schooling and teachers. A lot of teaching in today's world isn't that attractive of a job, um, considering the fact that you're dealing with a different style of kid. Like kids nowadays are allowed to have their phones out on their class, you're not allowed to tell them anything. You have to follow all these social norms that the system has created that imposes it on teachers. And there's some teachers obviously crossing the boundaries 
that are acceptable as to, you know, trying to parent the child. And I get it, you know, during the school day, there are certain things that you have to do to like guide that child, but you should never impose your will upon a child to like do certain things and say certain things. But it's all part of the system that we've created. We've created this storm now. Like now there's teachers that maybe went to school for something else that just happened to fall into a teaching class because it's like, oh, this is all I can do because my art degree didn't make me the famous artist that I wanted to be mm-hmm. or, you know, whatever it is that it may be that they went to school for. But yeah, there's a lot of pointless degrees out there. I mean, you make a lot of point. And there's a lot of schools now taking the initiative to push extra work on like, uh, or an extra attention on essentially doing welding jobs. I talked to a lady the other day. Um, she told me that she's part of this nonprofit group that tries to get kids into programs like electrician, plumbing, trade schools. Plumbing. Yeah, all these trade schools, which essentially fundamentally work to build our society. I mean, mm-hmm. we always need those people. And they're building life skills. Exactly. Even if they didn't use it in a, you know, for employment, they it's a life skill that they'll take with them. Right. And they can use. I totally believe in trade schools. Right. I have never understood why we do not have trade schools. Children should be going into a trade school right in junior high school. Right. And learning a trade. I, it doesn't matter what it is. They should be going to a trade school. They should be job shadowing. They should be out there seeing what's available. Like my generation there was just a certain way you did things, you know, and that was the accepted way. So most people did that. That's like with retirement. That's how you do. You work, you work, you work, you work. And then when you retire, you'll just draw your, not entitlement, but your social security that you've paid your whole life and be able to retire. Well, that's not true anymore. You can't afford to retire. That's why you see all these Older people working at Walmart or working at, you know, a clothing store because they can't afford to retire. They have to continue working. You know, you ever thought about it, though? Like, I feel like sometimes the system as a whole almost plans for that because you get, you know, you, you've worked your entire life. You're, you know, you were valued right before retirement. You know what I mean? So society looks at you like an asset. You're building something. You're helping me build this. And now when you retire, be like, oh, yeah, well, hey, you get to draw your Social Security. Here's $1,000 a month. Good luck. And they're not giving you that in one shot. You know, they're not giving you your your full. And that's the thing. I would much rather, like, if I knew that when I retired and my Social Security or my funds that I have put into the system Mm -hmm. were going to pay me back tenfold to what I, you know, put in. If they gave me the chunk all at once, I feel much better about it than them giving me an allowance. Then you could buy that business. Exactly. To generate income. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. Like, But then at least I have the ability to decide then to really either invest it in something or, or invest in a different company or build a business or start my own thing. Like if I knew that at 65 or 60, that was the case instead of this whole like allowance no, nah, like I'm not about it. I'm just not. It, I already feel. I already feel like strained that they're taking X amount of money from me 
You're going to tell me you're only going to give me? Well, and they're saying give you. Right. That's, like the, that's the most it. upsetting part is that, that you, you know, you pay that money and they say they're going to give it back to you. No, I earned it. I You saved it. You took it, but it was my money. And then another aspect of it is, which really touches my heart the most, is we can't afford to retire and do the things that we should be doing as grandparents. They're all out working so that they can afford to buy groceries and pay for their medications. They should be home teaching their grandchildren their, their ABCs or how to read a book or baking cookies or how to plant a flower basket, you know, just talking to them about life in general, you know, and grandparents aren't doing that anymore. And it's sad because our children are losing the ability to, to communicate and to emotionally connect Man. to their grandparents, that's a, that's a you know, and, and that's scary. Mm-hmm. When you're older, because you know that eventually these children are going to be taking care of you. Yeah. You know, if you haven't bonded with them and had that connection, they're going to they, they would going to care less. You know what I mean? Right. You're not even going to be a, a, a blip on their radar because they're going to be out busting their butts trying to make the money. Right. In order to support themselves and get the things that they want. And there's nobody left for the children anymore. You know, that's a valid point. We saw talk about communication because that's one thing that I always, like, honestly, anytime I talk to anybody older than me who's experienced life more than I have, I try to ask them questions like, you know, like you told me this morning, you brought up how back when you were younger, you were given a dollar to go to the store mm-hmm. and you could buy gallon of milk, a loaf of bread, whatever, a can of vegetables. And then if you had pennies left over, you could buy bags of penny candy. Right. Six for a penny. Yeah, it's crazy how like time and you think about it because your life flies by, right? Like it's right. Just, just like that. And now we're here where a gallon of milk is $4. Right. You know what I mean? When I was a little girl, um, we would go walk to the park and we'd work for my uncle junior, um, doing whatever he needed us to do, but, uh, we'd earn money and we could, a quarter was a big deal Right. with a quarter. Me and uncle David could go down to the skelly Inn, and we could both have hamburgers, French fries and a Coke for Man. a quarter. <laughs> could you imagine? I don't have to imagine. Right. <laughs> I lived it. That's crazy. I I feel like I've lived in the last great generation, really. Yeah, you know, you probably have. You probably mm-hmm. have. You guys, and you know, it's funny. We all take that for granted in a, in a way. We don't really understand how far we've come from where we once were. Oh, yeah. And you've lived it. You've uh, when I was a child, we had party lines for telephones. What was it? There was party lines. There oh. was like maybe eight families on one line. So anybody could listen to your conversation at any time. All they had to do is pick up their phone and listen in. But you'd know it was your call. Say one family has one long ring. The next family has two short rings. And another family has one long and two short. So that y'all had different rings. 
and you wouldn't answer the phone until you listened to what ring it was. And then you'd answer the phone. Unless you wanted to listen. And oh yes. And we did. <laughs> we got in so much trouble for that. Do you, do you ever think that's probably why in those movies, those older movies where like, there's like a suburban neighborhood where everyone kind of knows what's going on with everybody's yeah. business <laughs> and all the housewives come out and they all kind of give each other a look. Yeah. Yeah. They totally know what's going well, on. Well, back in those days you had housewives. Yeah. That's not There's very anymore. few and far between of those now. How do you feel about that? Heartbroken. Cause I feel that we've, we've robbed our children. Mm. Um, because the school is molding your children into who they are pretty much. Um, children don't come running home from school. Mom, mom, guess what happened today? Cause mom's not home. Mom's at work. And when mom gets home, dinner's gotta be done. Homework's gotta be done. Cause homework is sent home from school. Um, there may be a sport. Yeah. We've robbed our children of a real childhood. Damn, nobody ever thinks about it like that. Um, I'm sure a lot of people do. Oh, I'm sure a lot of people My do. My age, you know, see what the world's come to. But I don't see that perspective. You know, I never even thought about that. Because I work with people who are my age, and they wouldn't dream of having their grandchildren. You know what I mean? Right. Um, I have my grandchildren, one set. A couple days a week and then the other one a couple days a week it saves their parents a ton of money in child care yeah but it gives me the opportunity to know my grandchild and to build a relationship and a love and a bonding and when i see people say oh because i have friends even that wouldn't dream of babysitting their grandchildren um and it breaks my heart for their grandchildren you know, because they're wanting to take this trip to Arizona and they're wanting to go, you know, to California. And for me, there's not a greater thing in the world than hanging out with the grandkids in the kitchen, making some cookies or watching them draw me pictures or, and, you know. And, and to that point, could you imagine having that retirement fund be large enough that you could take those kids on a trip with you? Give them um, those experiences. Yeah, I dreamed of that. that. I dreamed of that as a young mother. Right. Taking my my um, grandchildren on vacations. But it's just not possible now. You know, not unless something changes. Because we'll you do it, Mama. We'll do it. We'll make it We'll happen. do it. <laughs> but yeah, that's it's quite the eye-opener. And that's what I love about you is that you see it and you're going to prepare for it now. So that when you do retire, it'll be easier. Yeah, I'm retiring. It's not gonna. It's not that I'm not gonna have an easy retirement because I have five beautiful children who adore me, and I know they adore me. And they would never let anything. They would never let me go hungry. Right. You know, my with my job, I deliver meals on wheels, and I go to these homes and deliver meals. And it breaks my heart what I see out there. Breaks my heart. These older people that can't even hardly get up, they scoot to the front door in a wheelchair 
you know, and trash is piled up on their porches. And you know what I mean? There's I nobody there to care for them. Nobody cares for them. See, and this is the thing with me is I never had grandparents. Like I have grandparents, obviously, but my grandpa died at a young age. My grandma died of a cocaine overdose a long time ago, like, you mm -hmm. know, which I didn't know about till very recently. Um, I never had that connection that you have with all your grandchildren. So I never had like that older generation teaching me things. So I always have just had my parents. So I can't imagine leaving my parents in that situation where they're having food delivered to their house with nobody caring for them. And that's why for me, it's so important to make sure that I'm on top of the ball when it comes to preparing myself for that mm -hmm. later time in life. Cause my parents are out of body now and they're still doing their thing, mm -hmm. but there'll come a time 15, 20 years from now where they will need me to be mm -hmm. there for them. And the, the last thing I want is to be in a tough situation myself where I'm not able to provide them and give them the best life possible. Cause at the end of the day, they spent, you know, 20, 15 years raising me, you know, and to this day, I mean, I can ask for anything and my mom and dad will help me, but. Right. In just, my generation, there was always mothers at home. Right. We used to, there used to be this little thing called the helping hand. And we always made them every year in school and they, you would put them in your window and it was to tell children or anyone else that we are a helping hand. If you're in trouble, you can come to this house, knock on the door and receive help. Well, when I was a kid, you could go knock on any door and get help. And if somebody across town seen you doing something you shouldn't be doing, they were on the horn. And before you got home, your parents knew <laughs> that you were on the other side of town. They were waiting in the doorway, <laughs> you know? You know, you think about it, though, like, the amount of trust that we had on people then was much greater, I thought, you know? I mm -hmm. feel like nowadays, you know, people put signs in their door, no soliciting, don't knock, don't talk yeah. to me. You know, we all have fences. People don't even know their neighbors. Yeah, they don't want to know their neighbors. Right. They don't even right. want to know them. Which, you know, in one extent, I feel like people are safer in a weird way because they're sheltering themselves and keeping them away from maybe somebody who's dangerous. Because I feel like we were also so trusting that a lot of things fell through the crack. Like, you know, coming from where I'm mm -hmm. thinking, like, you know, when I used to work at the regional center, there was a lot of pedophilia and things of that nature. I feel mm -hmm. like parents were a lot more inviting to maybe strangers than, than they are now. Mm -hmm. We're like, now we're a little more like, we're thinking about things uh, maybe a little more, but then again, now well, you need to, to because okay, today but... you don't have mothers and grandmothers at home waiting for the children to get home from school. Right. There's a lot of latchkey kids. They get out of school and they're going to be home alone for two and a half, three hours for their parents to get home from work. Yeah. That's what we've done to our society. Scary, scary, scary chit. Yeah. But guess what, mom, you did a great job raising your kids. You've given me a, a wonderful woman that I plan on marrying. I'm so happy for it. So thank you for providing such a wonderful human being in my life. It means the absolute world to me, 100%. I don't know what I'd do without her. So I, I thank you for that. Thank good job. <laughs> I love you. I love you too. We're <laughs> going we're gonna to leave this one short, uh, right at 30 minutes. Thank you for joining the conversation. It was easy. You know, that's all we had to do is talk. <laughs> so it was quick. So thank you, ladies and gentlemen, for tuning in to Burn It Down. 
Uh, we'll come back with another episode. I'll do a little rundown recap on what I thought and what I learned from Mama Hanson here. And uh, thank you guys for tuning in and God bless.